Well, we're going to dive in this morning um, and uh, continue on this series called The Greatest Story Ever. Exclamation point. Greatest story ever. And this is God's story. And it's a big story. We're going to, uh, in particular, we're going to see how in this story where Christmas fits. And, and I believe this is really going to be life-changing for you. I think it's going to open you up in, in a whole lot of ways today. Are you ready for the word today? And so we have this, this big story, and I'll give you a few uh, landmarks on this. First of all, God is timeless. Okay, he's timeless. So he never really had a beginning, and he has no end. And he is from eternity to eternity, and, and he's God. And how many of you understand that this morning? No, you don't. No, you don't. Because we only understand things in the context of time. The first thing written down about you when you were born, time. What time were you born? And then when you die, they're going to write down time. And then we're going to go visit your marker. Now, we believe this. We're either going to die or fly. I'm really hoping for that fly thing, okay? But if not, to be absent from the body is, is to be where? Albuquerque. No, be present with the Lord. So we go visit your marker, your tombstone there, and it's going to have your name, and it's going to have the little praying hands deal on there, and then a rose and, and those kind of things. And then it's going to have two things. It's going to have your bookends. It's going to have when you were born and when you died. And everything is about time for us. You know, we started, y'all probably, some, some of y'all fussed on the way, because we're going to be what? We're going to be late, and it's your, you know. And so it all had to do with time. We all wore our watches. Or you've got a, a phone or something. Y'all here? Okay. And so everything's time for us. So it's a little bit hard for us to understand a God who transcends time. Had no beginning or no end. That's hard for us. One day we will understand that because when time stops, and it will, when time stops, there will be eternity. And you're going to spend eternity um, high and dry or the other place. Okay. And so that's part of what we're going to be talking about this morning as well. So please, in all of this, especially at Christmas, there's some things, as I shared with you a couple of weeks ago, that are hard for us to comprehend. Here's what some people do. They can't understand it, so they exempt themselves. And they say, because I can't figure it out, then I don't believe it. It's, it's not real. And that's really pretty presumptuous. That's, that's actually arrogant. Um, it's ill-advised for you to say, because I can't figure something out, it doesn't exist. If that were the case, algebra would no longer be taught in schools. <laughs> per my order, okay? <clears throat> okay? So it doesn't, it doesn't really work that way. And we've got this great big God who he said that his thoughts and ways are higher than our thoughts and ways. And we have to, we have to just believe that. I, I, take, I take pleasure in, in serving a God that's so big and so strong, I can't figure him out. Because then he can come in and do things uh, where I can't figure out what needs done in this situation. He's fully able to do that. All right. So we've got this big story, and it is in the Bible. And I'll give you the landmarks in a moment. It's in the Bible. And this is not just a collection of 66 books and some poetry and apocalyptic kind of things and some scary stories and some stories we don't understand and some great quotes and the life of Jesus and things like that. That's not what this is. This is one big story. It's a meta-narrative. It's a big story. It all goes together. Okay, you, you with me? Bob, your head, do something here. And, and it all goes together. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. We're going to ride the fast bus today. 
okay, because we're headed to a wonderful place, and we've got a lot of ground to cover, so just buckle in. We're going to travel a lot of stuff. We're going to an incredible place of truth here this morning. So it's all in the Word, and I want to give you just an overview and some landmarks. When time began, that was creation, okay, creation. Everybody say creation. And so, well, I don't know if I believe in creation. Well, you know, that's part of what the timeless God did, and that's the subject for another day. Well, shortly after creation, man fell, and so we've got the fall of man as kind of our next landmark, and it happened in pretty short order. And then God had a plan, and it's the plan of redemption. Everybody say redemption, because this is, this is our big word today, is redemption, and then ultimately the consummation of all things. And this is where, you know, we sing, uh, you know, songs about him being uh, uh, glory to the newborn king. And uh, only if we knew scripture as well as we know songs, huh? Um, But king, ultimately he will be king of kings and lord of lords. And one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God and the consummation of all things and it'll be as God wants. Now, shortly after creation, God finishes creation. He said, it is all what? It's good. And then the, the enemy comes in, the antagonist, and through deception and through pressure, then man, because man has free moral agency, man made a choice. And I'm talking about mankind here. Um, made a choice through independence and through disobedience. And so now we've got the fall of man. And sin does this. Please remember this. It separates you from God. And when you're separated from God, you are lost. This is the toddler in the mall that got away from mom. Okay? Once they're separated, then you start yelling, my little, my little boy is lost. Okay? And what will mom do? Mom will push people out of the way. Mom, mom will throttle people by the throat. Where's my kid? You know, his mom's going to go after and, and so much more God. But so this, there's this separation now. And so man is lost. A man must be found. Man must be saved. So here's the awesome thing. God already had a plan in place. And you say, how could he already have a plan in place? And I've heard people say uh, he was, he was planning on man failing. He designed man to fail. He did not understand this. God is God, and only God can do this. We looked at scriptures last week on this. Only God is able to declare the end from the beginning. He's able to declare things from ancient times that have not happened yet. And he says, and I will do all my pleasure. He said, everything I plan will come to pass. How did this work then? How is it that when man fell, God already had a plan in place How is it that scripture says the lamb was slain before the foundation, before the concept of the world? How is it that that happened? It's because God is God. And God can do this. God can see. Everybody say see. God can foresee, which means he can see ahead. And I understand this. This will help you on some things. God can foresee way out into the future. And he already sees and can already declare. And understand this because man has choice. He sees things that man does. God didn't want that. God didn't intend for that. But he sees it happening. So being God, he's also able to foreknow what will happen. And then here's the cool thing. Now he will foreordain. He'll put some things in place. He sees that you're going to mess some stuff up. 
but he's going to make sure that rescue is nearby. He's going to make sure that he has a plan in place. And that's what happened here before any of this was even created. God, because he can see God knew and God had a plan in place. And that plan is redemption that would be accomplished through Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? Okay, we're just getting the bus warmed up. We're about to really take off here. Now, everything in the Bible, everything, say everything. Everything in the Bible develops two ideas. Everything in the Bible foreshadows two things. Number one, the coming of Jesus Christ. Number two, his work on the cross, and then he was, risen, he was raised from the dead. Okay? So everything. Say it again. Everything. Now, follow this. This will help you. I'm summarizing the book for you. Everything develops the, these two ideas. Everything foreshadows these two things. The coming of Jesus Christ and his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Let me help you a little bit more. Merry Christmas. Happy Easter. Okay, you with me? And understand this. Christmas without Easter does not make sense. And, and part of the trap that we have with such emphasis on Christmas in our culture is we isolate it and we separate it out from things. And so people will dive into the idea, yeah, okay, God sent his son, Jesus, I know the chorus and the songs and the carols, and, and you do all that, and then you miss out, though, if you isolate it too much. So what I want to do today is put it in the context of the whole big story here, and, and what happens then is the manger, the, the uh, Christmas makes no sense without Easter, without the cross. You hear? Now, I need to put something in here real quick. After the fall of man, God did a couple of things. He instituted covenants and he used Israel. And I'm just putting these in so you'll know we're not going to be able to cover all of this. And then after redemption, this P is going to stand for Pentecost. And and God sent his Holy Spirit. Do you know why he sent his Holy Spirit? To make you act weird. No, not here. Listen, if you see people representing the Holy Spirit and they're, they're weird, they were re- weird already. Okay? They would be weird no matter what they did. The Holy Spirit's the helper. He comes to help us, not make you weird. He comes to strengthen you and to lead you and to empower you in your life. But he also does another thing. Acts 1 says that he gives you power so that you can be witnesses, and that's mission. And I need to put this in here because we're going to see this before we finish out out today. So, in order for all of this to happen, let's just cut to the chase on this. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this. This is a faithful saying worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world. Merry Christmas. To save sinners. Happy Easter. Of whom Paul said, of whom I am chief. He's the chief sinner. I'm assistant chief. Y'all are in there too. Okay. And so what is this all about? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's the story here in a nutshell. Now, in order for, in order for what the man Jesus did on the cross, in order for this to matter, follow me on this. In order for this to matter, it matters who this baby was in this manger. Because guess what? A lot of babies were born. And a lot of people were crucified. A lot of babies were born. I don't know what's going on with our staff. It's like all our staff are having babies. 
And I turn the corner and you see our baby? So the rest of y'all, I think it's the water. So bring your own. Um, but babies, there's been plenty of babies. And crucifixions, there's been plenty of those. And I don't, I don't, I don't even want to get into the gory details of this, but there were times where the Roman occupation coming in just to scare people into submission would snatch up hundreds of people and line up crosses down a road and crucify them and light them on fire and walk the village through there. Guess what you're going to do? You're going to submit. And, and so it's a horrible thing. So there have been plenty of people to die the most hideous death, crucifixion, excruciating is, is related to that. And so it's not that. So what was it about what he did on the cross? It's going to help you to understand the cross if you can understand here. Who was this? Because who this is that came to ultimately die on that cross, this is a huge thing. And that has to do with this word incarnation. Everybody say incarnation. That's where Alicia started to get into my message. Incarnation. I get nervous writing big words in front of y'all. Incarnation. Uh, the root word right here is actually carne or carn. How many of you know uh, carnivorous or carnivore? Just act like you do it. It's like meat eaters. It has to do with meat. It has to do with flesh. Okay. And so incarnation has to do with God put on flesh. God came and became flesh. Now follow this in John chapter one, verse 14. It says in the word, notice the word It's capitalized word. This is, this is a, a name, a title. The word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the, the only begotten of the Father. So who is the word? The only begotten of the Father. This is Jesus, full of grace and full of truth. So look at those first words there. And the word became flesh. This is incarnation. So this was God. This was God entering the human realm. This is Jesus now, born lives in a real house with real people, grew up in a carpenter's home. He was a first century uh, Jew. He had a common name. He had the name given to him, Jesus, but he was referred to as Jesus of Nazareth. It's kind of like, you know, Bob from Bellevue, Chucky from Citra or, you know, some, something like that. That, that. He was Jesus of Nazareth. He was known. Again, he, he worked a job. He, he hung out. He probably sweat and played and, and knew people and he went to the to the temple, and uh, he did all of these things. But at the same time, because of who he was, follow me on this, because of who he was and why he came, he didn't just do the regular things. Guess what else he did? He walked on water, and he calmed storms, and he fed multitudes, and he healed people, and he he freed people that were tormented. He, he raised a, a friend from the dead, and ultimately then he conquered the grave himself. So this is because of who he was and why he came. But still, we're going to need to go a little further back. Okay, God became flesh. Let's go a little bit further back. And we're going to add on to this pre-incarnation. Not re-incarnation, but pre. So this is before. 
this becomes a huge, huge issue for us. Listen to me. His, his birth was not his beginning. Go ahead and say it. His birth was not his beginning. It's huge that we understand this. Uh, in John 1, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was where? He was in the beginning with God. John eight fifty eight. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So here we have God, again, who's timeless. Understand this. He, he never had a beginning. And again, that's hard for us to understand. He did not have a beginning. He always was. And so when we talk about beginning, then what he did is he came out of eternity and he met us at whatever point for a beginning. And so here we have this God that is his son that is pre Incarnate. We've got to look at what happened before he put on flesh and who he was at, at this point. So he never began. And get this. He came to be one of us. He came to be one of us. And yet still he was who he always was. So this is incarnation. This is a, a, an incredible collision of things that are coming together here. Pre-incarnation is Huge, because everything stands or falls on if this is true or not. So, are you out there? If his beginning was the manger, if this is his beginning, then follow me, then he lied. And he's not eternal. And there's not a trinity. And the cross doesn't matter. It's fake. It's a farce. If he was not already existing before he got here. Are you following? We're going into some deep stuff here. But are you following me? Just act. Okay. So. If this was his beginning. Then it's fake. And I'll say it again. He lied. He's not eternal. There's not a trinity. And the cross does not matter. But. In case you zoned out during part of that. And you're hearing me say the cross does not matter. The cross does matter. Because. This was not his beginning. But if this had been his beginning, then the whole thing's a farce. It's fake. Did any of you see in the news this past week uh, the memorial uh, funeral service for Nelson Mandela? Did you, did you see some? Did you see the guy somehow got hired to be the, uh, the uh, sign language deaf interpreter? Did you see this guy? And he was a fake. And he's standing within feet of presidents and kings and, and, and leaders and stuff. And I don't know how the guy got in there. And I don't know if you can say this in church or not, but he was a whack job. Okay. And he's there and I watched the video of him and, you know, there'd be somebody, you know, making these comments and he'd listen for a moment and then he'd act like he knew what he was doing. And he, he reminded me of my little league coach. And I suddenly had this strange urge to steal second and slide, you know, but it's like, why? Why was this fake? Because he didn't have anything before that. He didn't have any knowledge. He didn't have any training. He didn't have any, any ability to do that. So when he showed up, he just had to be a fake. But I'm telling you that when Jesus came, he didn't have to fake anything. It's because of who this was. Who this was in the manger that makes what happened on the cross matter. Now, incarnation. 
He always was the second person of the Trinity. Always was the eternal son of God. And now he put on flesh. And listen, he didn't just put on skin. He put on flesh. Scripture bears out he took on whole human nature. So he had a body. Yeah, he had the skin part. He had a body, but he had a mind. He had emotions. He had a will. He had all of those things. So how does this work? He, he was fully God, became fully man without ceasing to be God. Matthew, quoting Isaiah, said that he is God with us. He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. One theologian put it this way because he had to limit himself somewhat, but he was still fully God. He says it's like taking the fastest sprinter in the world and putting him in a three-legged race and tying his leg to the partner. He still possesses the speed and the ability, but he's limited for this race. He has limited himself for this race tied to us. Oh, what he could do. Oh, what he did do. But oh my goodness. And so that helps explain a little bit how this incarnation works. Now, Hebrews 2.17, which my wife also talked about during her little, says, therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in every, watch this, in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters. I like that he calls us his brothers and sisters. So that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he, then because of that, he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, watch this, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet what? Without sin. Scripture also calls him the second Adam, which means this, Adam, where Adam blew it and couldn't hold up the standard, the second Adam, Jesus, came and was able to hold up the standard and to be flawless and to be sinless. All right, fast bus, we're arriving at our beautiful location. Okay, you ready? Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, sent by the Father, became fully man, born in a manger, went to a cross, while remaining fully divine so that he could be the mediator. Everybody say mediator. So he could be the mediator between God and man. A mediator is a go-between. A mediator was like you're in seventh grade and boyfriend and girlfriend break up. And one of them have a mutual friend and she's going back and forth in between them and said, y'all are too cute together. You got to be back together, you know, and going back together. And what they're trying to do, you were holding hands. And in seventh grade, how do you hold hands? You got to interlace, you know, like that, like the, the death grip of love right there. Okay. So, but they're split now. There's conflict. It, we broke up. And so the little mediator goes back and forth to try to bring them back together to hold hands again. Welcome to adult world, and now it's labor and management, and you got to have media, or it's husband and wife because things have really gone bad, and you got to have somebody in, in between. And here's the thing about a mediator. A mediator has to be somebody that both parties will respect. A mediator has to be somebody that both parties say is qualified and they accept. You know, it can't be that, you know, one is, you know, the mediator is leaning toward one or the other. It has to be this one who can come and put it together 
perfectly. We go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. Keep looking around because this is the good stuff right here. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. Pastor Sean and Jessica, would you come and help me? Would you all come on up? I didn't warn you, but I will reward you handsomely. Give them a good hand right here. These folks are all stars too. And Pastor Sean's over our small groups and small groups going to launch again in the new year and we are better together and you need to be in a group. All right. That's another thing. Come over here. All right. Pastor Sean, you be here. Jess, you come over here. We're going to just be in some roles here. And this is for uh, illustration purposes only. Okay. You with me? Okay. You're going to be God. For illustration purposes only. Now, don't be weird at lunch or anything like that, okay? As soon as we're done, it's done. You're not God anymore, okay? And you're going to be mankind, okay? And used to be together, but then you got all independent and disobedient. And so this split happens, and I'm God's only son. I'm going to be Jesus for illustrative purposes only, okay? And so I'm God's only son, and he's his heartbroken about this. And so he sends me, his only son. But the only way it's going to work, because he knows, the only way it's going to work is if I'm going to be a mediator, there's got to be somebody that can work this thing out. And so God sent his son, put on flesh, became fully man. Don't miss this. Fully man and fully God. Because then, he's the only one who could... Hold my hand. It's not weird. He's the only one who is God enough to hold hands with God. And man enough to hold hands with man. Wait. And to bring them back together. It can only happen through Jesus. Not religion. Jesus. It's the only mediator between God and man is the man, Jesus, the God-man. All right. Now, you're going to be Jesus, okay? okay? And I'll be, I'll be mankind, and I'm, we just switch roles. God, Jesus, man, redeemed. <laughs> Not religious. <laughs> redeemed, all right? All right. Now... Third person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, P, Pentecost, fills my life, comes on me, helps me. And then I've got a mission. And 2 Corinthians 5 tells us about our mission. And our mission is this. We've been reconciled to God. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's what a mediator does. And so now you and I are mediators if we're redeemed. Y'all with me? And as a mediator, the scripture says right there that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and we plead with you, other people, we plead with you on on Christ's behalf as if God were speaking through us 
Be reconciled to God. So what we do is we reach out to the people that we know and we love and we're trying to pull them in and get them to meet the mediator so that the mediator can get them reconciled back to God. Y'all see that? God, man, the God, man, God became man, still was fully God. Because don't miss this, because he had to be God enough to hold hands with God and man enough to hold hands with man and bring them back together. Amen. Some free coffees for y'all. Hey, hey, one for a friend. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, wait, wait a minute. Uh, and you're not God and Jesus. Okay. Okay. So just as you were. All right. Give him a good God bless her. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world, Merry Christmas, to save sinners. This makes no sense without this. And that, the cross, does not matter unless who arrived in this manger was existing beforehand who was the eternal son of God, the second person of the Trinity, who was with God from the beginning, who God had this plan because he's God, he can foresee and he foreknows and he foreordained foreordained this incredible plan. It's the greatest story ever. He foreordained this whole thing so that you and I could be reconciled back to God. Amen. Now, I heard this years ago, and then I'll wrap this up. I heard this years ago, and it just landed in my heart just right. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that we, the sons of men, might become the sons of God. Christmas is a celebration of the entrance. Y'all hear me? I'm really stirred in my heart. We need to do something crazy at Easter. Because Christmas is just the entrance. But you should celebrate it. I said, you should celebrate it. And I'm talking about you should celebrate it. You should sing. You should sing loud. My wife, when she's cleaning the house, I run the store and I come in and it's like, (laughs) because she cranks it. But celebrate. And decorate. Now follow me on this. And eat. Wait, 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 wait. Don't eat. Feast. And sing some more. And make up a family Christmas dance. And decorate. And do lights. And do stuff. And listen to me. Stop being rigid and religious. They said, they said reindeer. It's about Jesus, not reindeer. Hold on, hold on. My grandson is three and a half years old now. And on his second birthday, we had a birthday party at our house. And everybody was running around doing stuff. And I said, I'll decorate. And so I went and I got some balloons and some streamers and some other stuff. And I put up some balloons and streamers and did some things. My daughter-in-law still kids me about it because I guess it was kind of tacky or something. But, but, but I did all that. And, and honestly, honestly, really, 
What do cupcakes and streamers and balloons have to do with a precious baby boy? It's just like, I'm so excited about this. Let's, let's do something. Okay. And so put up a tree. We put up a tree and light up the tree. And then we get candles that smell like a tree. And we eat and drive around and look at lights and have Meadowbrook Christmas Live and just do stuff. And, and, and if a reindeer wanders in or a dancing snowman wanders in too, it's just, it's a balloon. It's streamers. It's just part of the whole big deal that we're celebrating the entrance of our Savior into the world. So if you know this, you can, you can lighten up and enjoy the rest. Celebrate. Our Savior is coming to the world. Our Savior is coming to the world. If that's not worth a little bit of energy and something, our Savior is coming to the world. Let's celebrate. Because you know what? This is an important part of the greatest story ever. Did you get anything at all out of this today?